You're listening to Juicy Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Bacigalupo, and in this episode, I'll be speaking with James Shannon, Chief Product Officer at Essensus. Now, Essensus has been a mainstay in the uh, software world for shared workspaces for a super long time now. Uh, they cover a whole bunch of different feature sets from membership management to um, access control to all sorts of things that help control your space. And so he's got just a really important perspective to share right now as we have spaces dealing with the question of how to get the doors back open post-corona and also uh, to welcome the corporate customer. So regardless, regardless of the kind of big issue around whether or not to reopen and how to reopen and when, there's this larger like looming question down the line of what happens when we've got this massive new market of people who have learned how to work from home and learned why they don't want to keep working from home who are going to be ready to now join the world of co-working and shared workspace. A lot of those people are going to work for larger companies that maybe just inherently were folks that were a little bit more reluctant to move into the work from home realm who are now probably going to have a lot of requirements and a lot of questions around what it's going to be like to work in a shared work environment. And so a company like Ascensus can help a co-working space or shared workspace um, be ready to welcome that new corporate client that's going to be part of that next big wave of uh, remote workers post-COVID. So uh, we'll talk about that. We talk about a bunch of other things around kind of big questions and issues that co-working spaces usually have around things like access control, printing, things like that. Um, and he's the man. He knows all about all these things. So I uh, hope this is useful and informative to you. Also, as you probably already know, Juicy has been super active adapting to the times. They have been producing all kinds of online events specifically to help spaces navigate this shift that we're dealing with around COVID, how to deal with this time during, how to gear up for what it means to open up afterward, and uh, they are adjusting their programming calendar accordingly as well. So stay tuned for updates on future events. But in the meantime, uh, they're really, really quite active in terms of new programs coming up. So check Juicy.co for the calendar on upcoming events. Check out some of the programming that's coming up. There's a fair bit of free programming. So just lots to tune into and lots of benefits to membership as well, where they're posting more of the content from their online events. So all of that at gcuc.co. And uh, check out the conversation with me and James in this episode of Juicy Podcast. James, thanks so much for joining. I'm glad to have you along. Good to be here, Tony. Good to be here. All right. So let's just kind of uh, lay, get a lay of the land here first. One of the most common questions I get when I talk to folks who are uh, building co-working spaces, especially when they're just getting started, uh, is what software should I use and how do I approach this kind of this, this big complex area of software? Um, and a lot of times it's hard for me to answer, even though I've, I've helped thousands of people build co-working spaces, I feel like it's just such a nuanced and specific and personal thing. So um, help me understand, help the folks who are tuning in understand, what, uh, wh where does the census fit into this equation? Where, how did it get its start? We don't need to go too much into the history, but just kind of where does it fit into this and, and what, what does it offer in brief? 
Sure. Um, well, I mean, yeah, we get this question a lot at other conferences too. And, you know, a census uh, role in the industry is, is really to remove complexity um, and to really uh, help uh, the most ambitious um, sort of operators and landlords scale um, uh, quickly and easily um, as their businesses grow. And that's all about um, not only removing complexity from technology, um, but also delivering um, the simple kind of table stakes that you need to, to deliver a great productive member experience. Everything from you know, the enterprise grade security that, that it's, that's now really important to make sure you can attract the biggest customers through to basic needs like Wi-Fi and internet and access control and signage and, and all these kind of things. Um, uh, an app experience that allows members to communicate and book rooms and so forth. Um, and above all, um, you know, remove all that complexity and automate everything so that community managers can focus on delivering great service uh, and face-to-face -face time uh, with members and, and not have to employ an IT team and, and multiple vendors to deliver the sort of breadth uh, and complexity of technology that a, that a modern flexible workspace needs. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, so it sounds like that you're really in a position to help a, a space be able to serve kind of at a, a larger uh, a larger scale and maybe to a larger customer that I know like the corporate customer is going to want to be able to have access to certain, as you mentioned, levels of security, but even levels of information about who's where and, and who's using what resources and, and all of those kinds of things uh, that, uh, and, and especially now with kind of this coming wave of the, the next generation of remote workers post COVID, uh, a lot of spaces are going to be in a position to take on a whole bunch of new customers, but they're going to need to have a certain feature set available in order to be able to do that. Definitely. I mean, you know, we're all seeing um, a lot of interest, um, you know, being driven out, you know, as you say, post COVID, um, we, we foresee a, a big trend, you know, towards flex from, from traditional space, as, as you refer to. Um, and, and these customers are going to look for, for, for minimum standards around security, around Wi-Fi, um, around um, resiliency, um, dedicated internet, um, and, and you've, you've done things like physical security. So, so it's really important that um, it's, it's, not, it's not as simple anymore as just spinning up a hotspot uh, and giving out a shared password to everyone. Uh, they're going to want to ensure they're getting a private network with you know, unique uh, logins for each member of staff, um, that they can really you know, rely on the security uh, and the resiliency of, of the network being provided uh, to, to run their business. Okay, so you mentioned uh, several things there, and mm. this is an area that actually personally I have very little like direct experience with. I've worked with people who deal with it, but maybe mm. kind of step back for me for a second and help me understand maybe if I'm a co-working space owner who wants to be able to access that, that, that corporate market, uh, especially given everything that's happening, um, but I don't have much experience with it up till now, what should I expect to encounter as far as what they're going to be, the kinds of questions they're going to be asking and maybe the most important things that I'm going to need to have figured out? Uh, and, and maybe let's start with like, you know, what's, what's kind of the most fundamental or most important that, that a typical co-working space might not have thought of um, if, if, if they're not used to serving the corporate customer. Sure. Well, we, we often, um, you know, refer back to the sort of the, the sort of basic hierarchy of needs. So, you know, st start with the most fundamental things, which is physical access. So, you know, access control has long been a pain point. Um, but the first thing, you know, a, a corporate customer is going to look towards is um, a way to have secure access to their space. 
uh, in a way that's not um, just the same card given to everyone or or cards shared around, but preferably something that's easily managed um, you know, by themselves or by the community manager so they can very quickly and easily um, give access credentials out to their staff and their members. Then we get on to you know, beyond physical security into sort of cyber security and network security. So they're going to want to know that when they plug into the LAN port on the wall or they log into the Wi-Fi, um, that they're on their own network. In other words, they're not sharing the Wi-Fi with the company in the next office or the company in the, in the next office after that. And in other words, not coffee shop Wi-Fi where everyone's in the same network. They're going to want to know that they're on their own network, whether they're plugging in or using the Wi-Fi. Uh, and that means that all their data is, it can't be intercepted. Uh, the network is, is, is private to them, which is what they're used to in their traditional corporate space. And, and then you know, beyond that, um, also ensuring that it's easy to manage their staff coming and going. So do, do you have un unique passwords and logins for each member of staff to the Wi-Fi, for instance, rather than a shared username and password, which people can, can later hop on their network and sitting in the hall outside. So it, real basic hierarchy needs, physical security, um, cyber security, network security, um, and then unique credentials to log into that network. I'd say that's the kind of the core entry level requirements you need. Gotcha. Okay. And so in terms of, uh, and, and obviously these are all things that you help with. Sure. And my understanding is that you, you, you've kind of invested a lot in the access control side of things. There's a, tell me about this smart access control. Sure. I mean, as you say, we, we, we've, we've really seen an opportunity to um, disrupt and to innovate in a space that, that's traditionally been a, quite a, a legacy industry. Um, you know, having spent 10 years innovating around delivering enterprise-grade private networks and enterprise-grade Wi-Fi uh, and, and voice um, and, and all of those things that, that are core to a flexible workspace, access control has long been um, a pain point that our customers have talked about um, for a number of reasons. One is um, just, just the, the sheer cost per door of installing it. Um, secondly, having to man manage all these RFID cards that people lose, they share, they forget. Um, and, and thirdly, the, it's just access control. That, that's the only value it really gives, which is important um, value, but we think it can be so much more than that. So what we've done with smart access is we've taken you know, traditional access control hardware. So, you know, we haven't invented our own hardware. We've taken you know, off the shelf you know, industry leading hardware. But what we've done is we put our, our private cloud uh, that every customer has access to layered on top of that. And what this means is it not only allows um, them to use smartphones uh, and, and similar to tap to pay, the ability to tap to access, so tap to open the door, uh, tap to collect a print from the printer, uh, tap to book a hot desk and so forth. So it takes it so much more beyond, further beyond access control than just opening a door. You can now use the same method to interact with the space. So that's providing so much more value than pure access control, which is important, but it can be so much more than that. This is like, uh, uh, like on a cruise ship or like a Disney theme park, something <laughs> like that, where you've got kind of the bracelet, you tap it to right. access it. All. Right. But yeah. the beauty is, of course, because it's your phone, uh, you rarely forget it, you rarely share it, if, if ever, uh, and you rarely lose it. So unlike, uh, you know, RFID cards, which community managers are always having to swap out and, and print new ones and so forth, you know, uh, this is just using um, your smartphone, which also enables you to, to really drive engagement also to your member experience app, because every time you're tapping to open a door, um, you, you can also uh, get visibility to the app, the latest news. And also you can do things like you know, tapping on a meeting room and not only have it open the door, but also book the room and pay for the room with a single tap. So it really starts to take all the friction out of that member experience that's traditionally been there. Wow, that's terrific. 
And uh, in terms of kind of where things are going, I know that there are, uh, like, it sounds like that direction could take you in a lot of interesting places. Have you looked at kind of exciting things that become possible as a result of making use of these kinds of uh, like new new ways of doing things the way that you're describing? Or do you have any customers that have done anything really kind of interesting and unexpected with these? Yeah, I, mean, I think what's most interesting to us is, as is always the case with um, great innovation, is not um, kind of solutions looking for problems, but actually um, solutions to everyday problems we already have. Um, so for instance, um, you know, another big pain point in the industry has been managing print um, and you know, being able to you know, for instance, when I print uh, quite often, I have to go and find the, my nearest printer, find out what it's called, then go back to my desk and print to that printer and then try and get to that printer before someone else has picked up my confidential document. So again, smart access is allowing us to spin that on its head. Uh, so we're creating a smart print experience where I can print first without having to figure out where the nearest printer is and it prints that to the private cloud. I can then find my nearest printer and then just tap on it with my smartphone and not only does that tell it who I am and therefore to release uh, the print from the printer, but it also means I'm collecting my confidential information stood there at the printer without having to go on and find that printer, without having to figure out what the name is, uh, without having to find a specific print driver for it. So we're really trying to just use this innovation really to solve the problems that have always, and the pain points that have always been there. They're not necessarily new problems, um, but they're, they're, they're long-standing um, kind of friction points and pain points um, that we really just want to iron out and just to make the, the, the space work for you. Uh, and as we, we've talked about often recently, um, I think a building really starts to feel like a smart building to the member when it's working for them rather than just managing the HVAC and the lifts and the, the environment vendor control. Uh, if the building feels smart when it's actually working for them uh, and getting out of their way in terms of getting things done. Yeah, the printer is just such a, uh, a massive point of contention amongst the staff and amongst the, the, the members, too. I mean, it's, it's constantly creating headaches for people. Yeah. Although I have to say, like, I feel like the people who enjoy kind of accidentally snooping on what other people are printing are going to be disappointed by this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I feel like I, yeah, I feel like I, um, I always had kind of, it was always kind of fun to figure out what the heck people were trying to, like, you know, what is this document that's sitting here? And, you know, having, having run a space for a long time i've encountered everything like legal documents tax documents yeah like i remember there was a document it was, it was like a somebody's full tax return was just sitting in the printer tray wow for, and nobody ever claimed it and yeah. i don't think i even knew who it was like i i i, I and i remember i like i guess i hung on to it for a while because i was waiting for somebody <laughs> to come claim it and you know, there's just so many headaches to be had with that. Yeah, and, and of course, it goes, goes full circle back to what we were talking about, attracting corporate customers. Unless you've got secure ways to handle print and secure ways to, to give them comfort around compliance and the sort of things that they're accustomed to in a corporate workplace, then it's also going to be hard to attract that corporate customer. You've got the best Wi-Fi and the best security, but then if, the, if their tax returns are sat on the printer, then, you know, that's not great. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm surprised we haven't heard any kind of like news stories that have broke of, of data breaches from co-working spaces. I, I imagine it's happened in some way, but right. uh, we certainly certainly don't want any uh, anybody listening to to be the first. So No. Um. <laughs> and um, I mean, just coming back to your point in innovation as well, um, you know, once the members start to interact with the space uh, in, this in this far easier method, you know, tapping with their smartphone to do various things, whether it be you know, starting Zooms or collecting prints or opening meeting rooms, 
you also start to collect really rich data about how members are using your space. And that allows you to drive a whole uh, new kind of, uh, you know, uh, value creation around, uh, you know, deriving insights from how the space is used and therefore how to design better spaces. Um, so we're also looking to overlay things like people counting uh, and occupancy sensors to really allow us to mash up this, this view um, of how spaces are used by, by putting together zonal Wi-Fi usage, uh, access control data, uh, print collecting, um, you know, meeting room booking and usage, um, and people counting, all of which give you a great picture of how space is being used. Yeah, I, I can I can picture that, you know, once you've got the data, you can really start digging into it and finding out interesting things about how your members behave. Sure. And, you know, one thing that I talk about when I consult folks who are starting new spaces is, you know, a lot of times they ask, well, how do I know who's going to use what or which membership right. is going to be most popular? And I said, look, you know, like you can survey people and you can take the best kind of information that you can, but nothing compares to actual empirical information of people using it. Yeah. You know, somebody might explicitly tell you that they want something or they don't, or they'll use something or they won't, but you won't know what they'll actually do until they actually start using it. And yeah. uh, so it helps so much if you can have some empirical way of saying, okay, this is this was our hypothesis. Now let's go see what people are actually doing. And then once they actually do this, uh, once they actually start using it, then okay, let's adjust. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's it's a classic um, conundrum, which is you know, how do I split my space up? The balance between offices and meeting rooms. I put in more offices, I get more revenue. But then I have fewer meeting rooms, which is a worse member experience because the members can never find one that's free. Um, and similarly, you know, do you have to put in five two-person meeting rooms or two five-person meeting rooms? You know, so all of these um, sort of quandaries that that, that flex uh, operators have when they're designing new spaces, um, yeah, as they scale out and as they start to repeat uh, and add locations, it, it's great to be able to look back at locations that are already live. And see well. Actually, how is my experience versus revenue split on meeting rooms versus offices? How how is my occupancy of my meeting rooms versus bookings and, and revenue? And could I have more meeting rooms that are smaller or fewer meeting rooms that are larger? You know, um, so all of these questions can be answered by by sort of better insight into into utilization. Right, right, gotcha. And um, so, in terms of the way that people can use this information or the tools in general, outside of kind of making more efficiencies. Uh, figuring out how to optimize the, you know, the direction of the Wi-Fi access points and, mm. you know, mm. the, the, the use of the rooms and things like that. Are there any ways that you've seen your customers use this information to build a better experience socially between the members? So that there's ways that, that you can learn something about the behaviors of them that, that, that allows a co-working space owner to learn how to build a better community. Have you seen anything in that direction? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, we often um, get questions about, you know, how do I stop members uh, sort of sitting in empty meeting rooms when they're looking for quiet space? And how do I, um, yeah, I mean, you know, ensure that, you know, having invested in putting meeting room space in, um, that I haven't got meeting rooms sat there empty um, and ensuring they're getting booked and so forth. And I think it, it all comes back to the same point, really, which is that, first of all, um, if you can put access control on your meeting rooms, then you stop people occupying them without booking them. That's the first point. Um, the second thing is um, by actually providing access to those meeting rooms, um, then you can also start to do interesting things um, by doing things like almost like surge pricing on Uber. 
So, you know, if, if you find your meeting rooms are getting overly occupied, which is reducing your member experience, maybe, maybe the meeting rooms take more credits or cost more at peak times versus quieter times. So you can therefore adjust your revenue, um, uh, sorry, no, not, not impact your revenue, but at the same time enhance member experience by, by freeing them up. So I think there's a number of things that once you have the ability to measure occupancy, the ability to provide smart access to meeting rooms, um, and the ability to, to really control that member experience through, through use of data and the, and the ability to dynamically control access to space, I think that gives you the ability to deliver a better member experience because you know, once the space is designed and once the walls are up and once the doors are in, um, you, can, you can take lots of learnings into your next space, but you can't change that current space unless you start pulling walls down. So the ability to then fine tune a space, um, whether it be through access or by pricing at different times, or by changing credit packages for different types of member. I think the flexibility to be able to do that in, in response to market conditions and how members are reacting and using the space, I think is also key. So I think we're going to see a lot of that post-COVID where you know, space is having to reduce density you know, in, in open plan areas, um, you know, reduce occupancy of meeting rooms. It's going to, I think it's going to create quite a lot of pressure um, on member experience because there's going to be you know, there's going to be less space to actually utilize uh, within the flex spaces. Right. So tell me a little bit about that. Obviously, it's a topic on everybody's minds right now. How are you adjusting for what's happening and helping spaces adjust? Because I feel like, you know, uh, there's there's a significant section of this this reopening discussion right now that has to do with space planning. And and figuring out how to how to spread everything out, and maybe even using data to help keep track of how many people are using the space. So, what kinds of conversations are going on on your end about how to help spaces tackle this? Sure, well, I mean, we're having conversations with, with lots of our customers around this. So, um, a lot of our customers are using their real-time Wi-Fi data, uh, especially those that have got many sites um, where you've got, especially in geographies where um, people are now going back into physical spaces. Um, that they're using that Wi-Fi data almost on an hourly basis to, to monitor the uptick in people returning to the space. So this allows them to control staffing levels. It allows them to control, um, you know, provisioning the spaces with, you know, coffee, whatever. Um, you know, it, it's, it's allowing them to, to measure that response, that return to work um, in, in those geographies where the sort of lockdown is easing. So I think real-time Wi-Fi data is really useful for that, for instance. The second area is um, around um, access control. So clearly um, it's more important now for spaces to be able to measure how many people are entering um, to control access to those spaces. And we're also getting into conversations with people looking for solutions perhaps to measure the temperature of people when they're entering a space, um, particularly at the building level. Um, uh, as a sort of um, duty of care to the occupants around not letting in people who potentially got an infection. And I think the third area is around really deploying services that um, support um, probably that the trend we're going to see more, which is sort of more remote working, more hub and spoke um, type corporate deployments of flex spaces, um, where things like you know remote mail handling becomes really key. So we're adding features to our app, for instance, to allow members to remotely view mail, destroy mail, forward mail, um, so they don't have to go into a physical space to collect physical mail. Um, so, it's, so I think there's those three areas really. One is, is monitoring space to see how the re return um, from lockdown is, is, is kind of trending and, and accelerating. The second is around control to the of the space. And the third is around just empowering those remote um, workers and those sort of these hub and spoke deployments we're starting to see. 
um, to, to really support them in, in the kind of the new normal that, that we're going to be seeing post-COVID. Gotcha. All right. So in terms of how folks who are tuning in can kind of follow up, learn more about what you're up to, um, what what are y'all offering now that folks can can go check out? What kind of uh, what, what are the links? Sure. Well, we have, um, I mean, census.tech, uh, obviously, is our, our main website. Um, you can also uh, follow us on Twitter. Um, we, we have regular um, webinars and, and podcasts around all sorts of uh, topics, um, just like this one, um, where we, we share our experiences, where we talk about the, you know, the new normal post-COVID. Um, and yeah, I'd encourage people to, to, to really um, get involved. Uh, the online conferences, we're, we're big supporters of as well. Um, so yeah, feel free to get in touch, reach out, um, see how we can help. Um, and um, yeah, we've got offices on East, Co East and West Coast US uh, and in London. So we're, we're also global uh, and uh, happy to help where we can. That sounds great. Sounds great. So uh, head to ascensus.tech, E-S-S-E-N-S-Y-S.tech. And that's where you'll be able to find the information, the podcasts, information about the upcoming events, all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. All right, James. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time to, to walk through all this with me and um, keep up the great work over there. My, my pleasure. Thanks, Tony. All right. You got it. Take care. So there you have it, my conversation with James Shannon, Chief Product Officer at Ascensus. Again, check out all the resources that they have to offer at ascensus.tech, E-S-S-E-N-S-Y-S dot tech, because dot tech is a top level domain now, pretty cool. And check out all of the event programming that Juicy has coming up. They have been working with folks like Ascensus on getting info out to operators who need information on how to figure out how to reopen, how to deal with all of the things that you'll need to consider as you move into this socially distanced phase of things and all of the cool things that are gonna happen afterward when we have this massive new world of people who are gonna be joining our ranks. So hope this has been useful, hope you're staying healthy and safe. And uh, in the meantime, take care of yourselves and keep being awesome. <laughs>